Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vandervliet, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. And welcome to another episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. E. Vandervliet here without his trusted canine co-host. I am still on the road, and Woody is back home. So the alms dogsman is not here for the show. So if it's a little disjointed... It's because Woody's not here keeping me on point. I am out traveling with my lovely wife on a business trip. Of course, this is her business trip. I'm just here for the eye candy. Anyway, let's get into the topics of the day. We've got, of course, more election news. Some of the stuff that keeps coming out just, again, is curiouser and curiouser of what's happened. But some exciting news that's happened up in Michigan. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about you know, I, I mentioned yesterday Obama's back in the news. I didn't want to talk about him, but I caught something. I caught something interesting that I want to share. Uh, some similar language between Obama and Biden that makes you kind of go, hmm. And then we'll end this segment with, uh, oh, man, Governor Cuomo. And all in a week, you're not going to believe in just in a matter of days, actually what this guy did and a couple of other bad governors and what they're doing with the mask mandate, man, I hope I, I, I feel sorry for some of you folks in other States, but some States, they get it. Some States, uh, you need a new governor, but anyway, let's get into the latest news on the election. Now, as you're aware, the uh, Michigan is a hotbed of potential fraud. And it, you, we saw yesterday or the day before yesterday, there were two Republican legislators that had decided not to certify the election. And these two uh, Republican legislators were doxxed very severely by some of their fellow legislators, calling them a racist. One guy, uh, his name Abraham Aisha, uh, basically, again, called him a racist, but also called out their children. How are your children going to deal with this? Uh, a Democrat, this is from, let's see, this is from the Federalist. And Michigan Democrat doxes children of Wayne County election official. A Democrat Michigan state representative elected doxed the chairwoman of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers on a public Zoom meeting on Tuesday, revealing where her children attend school and claiming that she was enabling racism by refusing to certify the Wade County election. Now, remember, I mentioned this yesterday and how the other one also did the same thing on the same Zoom call, called the two, these two Republican legislators, uh, racist. They're racist because they say there are voter irregularities, and there are. I mean, it's obvious there are voter irregularities. So anyway, they reversed their decision. That's right. They said they were going to not certify it. They weren't going to sign off on it. Then they said they were going to. And now they've come back and said that they are reversing their decision. This is from John, John Sullivan's Just the News. In dramatic reversal, Wayne County Election Board Republicans rescind votes certifying results. In affidavits, GOP Canvas board members claim they were bullied and said there are too many irregularities in Detroit vote to justify accepting election results. Now, a lot of people were really mad at these two. I wasn't. I, I mean, they were just pummeled. If you watch the video that I, gave, I, I put in the podcast yesterday, um, but the article goes on in an extraordinary turnaround, turnabout that foreshadows possible legal action. The two GOP members of Wayne County Election Board signed affidavits Wednesday night, alleging they were bullied and misled into approving election results in Michigan's largest metropolitan metropolis 
which is Detroit, uh, and do not believe the votes should be certified until serious irregularities in Detroit votes are resolved. Uh, the statement by Wayne County Board of Canvassers Chairwoman Monica Palmer and fellow GOP member William C. Hartman rescinded their votes from a day earlier earlier threw into question anew whether Michigan's potential votes currently favored Democrat Joe Biden will be favoring Democrat Joe Biden will be certified. Uh, they also signed a possible legal confrontation ahead, or they also signaled a le possible legal confrontation ahead. I'll get this right. I vote not to certify, and I still believe this vote should not be certified, Hartman said in his affidavits. Until these questions are addressed, I remain opposed to certification of the Wayne County results. Added Palmer in her affidavit, I rescind my prior vote to certify Wayne County elections. So there you got, there you have it. They uh, they bulked on the pressure, and uh, it looks like they've succumbed to doing the right thing. They have questions. They have every right to do what they're doing. If they see irregularities, it's their job, or should I say, really, it's their duty to ask about these irregularities and that they be sussed out, so to speak. So kudos to them. I mean, I saw a lot of people jumping on them as cowards and traitors and sellouts. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, if you watch the video of these two guys, these two Cretans, I mean, it was brutal and vicious. And it's, it's about time that we stood up to bullies like this. Now, here's the thing about bullies is they're, they're all weak. Every one of them. Every bully you have ever encountered is weak. And these two are no exception. I mean, if you looked at these two uh, leftist, frothing-the-mouth lunatics, all they have is is their rhetoric. All they have is this bullying. And here they are on a Zoom call bullying these two. Well, what, you know, where was leadership stating this is unacceptable? Now, I get it because they felt fearful because when they throw out that racist canard, everyone seems to buckle under it. Well, not anymore. So kudos to those two. Uh, Jocelyn Benson, who is, this, I believe, the Secretary of State for Michigan, uh, yeah, she's a Michigan Secretary of State, tweeted out the other day, uh, Michigan update, all 83 counties have voted to certify the results of the November 3rd election. Next, the Board of State Canvassers is scheduled to meet November 23rd to issue final certification of the November 3rd election. So if you were wondering, can they resend it? Well, they said they were going to uh, vote to certify, but it, they hadn't actually voted to certify. They will vote or they're scheduled to meet November 23rd. So yeah, yeah, they can rescind it. So sorry, Jocelyn, uh, you may need to do another tweet. And by the way, I, last I checked, she has not done another tweet. So good news, very good news. Now, why is this good news? Because what it does is it slows down the process. Now it, it forces them to actually to look into these voter irregularities. Now there's another... Um, a piece that came out from Gateway Pundit, and the headline is, they were like a pack of dogs. Detroit voter fraud witness describes election night chaos. Uh, another Michigan witness has come forward to describe the voter fraud and vote integrity intimidation she witnessed while volunteering at the TCF Center, Cobo Hall, in Detroit on election night. Christine Caromo saw the 3.30 a.m. Biden ballot dump that is being repeatedly denied by the mainstream media. Her statement stands in contrast to the whistle, the whitewashing going on elsewhere in the media uh, that is seeking to debunk all the similar claims. And we, we've seen it all over. So I 
put I'll put this link from Gateway Pundit in my show notes, and it's got a full full video interview of Christina Caromo or Caramo. Uh, it's forty two minutes long. Uh, she says she thinks all absentee ballots should be recounted in Wayne County. Instead of having the media dismiss witnesses like this, meaning her, uh, the Gateway Pundit has, pro- has provided the full interview below. So you can go look at this, and you can hear the, her basically telling the story how they, they came in at 3.30 in the morning, as she said, like a pack of dogs, wild animals. Just, I mean, this has gotten to be the most ridiculous election I think I have ever seen, even at a local level. I mean, here's, again, I mentioned this before in yesterday's show, that what it looks like has happened, it looks like the the Democrats just overreached. Trump must have been winning so much that they had to do these 3.30 a.m. dumps. They had to do all this stuff because Trump was winning so much and it's blowing up in their faces. I mean, that's the way I'm starting to read this. Now, I, I'm not, I don't know if it's true, because, but that's why we want to get all the information out. This is another piece also from the Gateway Pundit. Again, uh, the Hoff Brothers has just done a phenomenal job at feeding us information. I highly recommend looking at the Gateway Pundit. Here's the headline. Dominion voting machines all included weighted race feature whose only purpose is cheat in elections. We contacted Dominion but did not get a response back. So this, uh, let me explain as best I can on what this means, is this um, this gentleman, Dr. Shiva Aradhuri, uh, he is an MIT, he's from MIT, detected weight race algorithms used in previous elections using the Dominion or Smartmatic voting system. Now, the thing about the Dominion and the Smartmatic voting system, they claim they are not the same company. If you dig a little deeper, uh, they used to be uh, the same company. And the, it's either Smartmatic or it's either Dominion where they have the same software. It's licensed in there. So let's say the main company is Smartmatic and Dominion is a separate company. Dominion is saying that they have no connection to Smartmatic. Well, that's not true. Uh, they are actually licensing software to use in their machines from Smartmatic. So you've got the same software in both machines. So if one state used Smartmatic and one state used Dominion, they're both using the same software. And this doctor, uh, MIT doctor, detected weighted race algorithm. So what this is, is the system breaks down votes. It breaks votes down in fractions and then weights them for some reason. They don't know why. And they've tried to reach out, Gateway Pundit did, to Dominion to ask, what is this weighted piece? Why is it in there? Now, from the piece, from the article, Dominion said the feature was built in for their condo or land ownership customers who may want to tabulate votes based on the amount of land each participant may own. Uh, From the piece again, we've reported several incidents in the 2020 election where votes were removed from Republicans and given to Democratic candidates, including 20,000 votes in Pennsylvania, which led to a 40,000 vote swing for Biden. We also noted at least one incidence where the total number of votes counted were decreased by 373,000 in Virginia. All of these instances occurred in states where the Dominion voting machines are in place. So Dominion is trying to say, well, no, these things, this is for another client or customer base that we had that were for condo and landowners. And what Gateway Pundit was reaching out to Dominion to find out was how many customers did you sell this product to? You know, another question I would have is why was it in these machines? Now, they're going to just say they're in all their machines, but doesn't that just raise 
more questions than it does answers? Aren't, aren't, aren't we looking at to say, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. If you have this software algorithm in this machine, was it turned on? How do we find out if it was or was not turned on? Now, so here, let me clarify this. Uh, if you go back to the Atrium County, Michigan story, this broke a, a last week, where they found that I think it was 6,000 votes. That's the story the number that I've heard. 6,000 votes were switched from, Biden, from Trump to Biden. And the leftist media wanted you to think that it was caught right away. It was not. It was actually sent up to the Secretary of State's office. And some clerk saw that and said, wait a minute, how can this solidly red county switch like this so much? So it raised a red flag. Questions were asked. They found it and they switched it. And where that software glitched, because that's what they were calling it came from, was that there was a software in there that needed an update in order to prevent that from happening. I can't repeat this enough because this is the core, I think, of every problem that's going on right now. So you've got this. It's not a software glitch, by the way. It's not. And it's not human error. It's a program, a software that is written into, it's code written into the machine, and I think they just got caught. And here's what I think. Now, the question you should be asking that I'm asking is how come we have these algorithm software glitches that allegedly switch votes from Trump to Biden, if they had that baked in, how come they needed to have these 3.30 a.m. dumps of ballots? Well, I think the answer is because the vote was so large for Trump that they, they had to turn up the software and they had to do something else because they weren't getting enough, as we saw Tuesday night. Because remember Tuesday night? Tuesday night, on uh, election night, November 3rd, Trump was winning. And then all of a sudden, Wednesday morning, Trump was losing because they did all these ballot dumps because they didn't turn up the software enough. They needed more. They had to add more. And I think this will be where their undoing is, by the way. I think this is what's going to bring them down. Now, uh, can Trump still win? Well, this is from uh, John Solomon again. Uh, and, you know, justthenews.com, Alan Dershowitz explains how Trump can still win in the courts. And that's how Trump's going to, that's the only way Trump's going to be able to win this election, by the way, to get him to 270 is this is going to have to go to courts. So here's what the, in the article, what Alan Dershowitz was saying. Um, the clock is a double-edged sword in, in this election because if they don't have enough time uh, but if they can put forward a sufficiently strong case, then they may be able to get some Republican secretaries of state or legislators to say, look, we just don't have enough time to certify these electors, and if they can bring down the number of electors, 35 to 37 from the 305 and bring it down to 267 or 268, then the election goes to the House where the Republicans win. So the, the Constitution of the United States is written as such. On December 14th, the electors will meet and vote for this president. So what Alan Dershowitz is talking about is if when they meet and it's not enough for either candidate to get the 270 to win then it goes to the house so that's one way that trump could win and it's i mean it's i i don't think in the history of the united states well actually i believe and, and I'm, I'm sorry that i don't have this but i believe this happened early on in our nation's history but it hasn't happened in modern times uh Dershowitz explained that the trump team's legal strategy to pull enough electors away from joe biden that he doesn't meet the 2270 threshold by the time the election needs to be certified. He also said there's no possible way for President Trump to get to 270 
electoral votes in time. The goal is to prevent Biden from getting 270. That's why the clock is a double-edged sword, he said. According to the Harvard professor, Bush v. Gord will be referenced if and when the Trump campaign's case makes its way to the Supreme Court. The reason Trump's team is focusing on the equal protection clause. Their argument is that not all votes were treated equally because some had their ballots counted with an observer while others didn't. Some had rules set by other government officials and not the state legislatures, which the Supreme Court ruled against. In order for these cases to make their way to the Supreme Court, Dershowitz said, the numbers have to be there, meaning the Trump team successfully pulls electors away from Biden so the former vice president is no longer at the 270 threshold. Uh, the other option is for Trump's lawyers to provide hard evidence of irregularities occurring with voting machines, which could call into question hundreds of thousands of votes in various states. Uh, if that happens, then yes, it will go to the Supreme Court, Dershowitz said. I think at least under the constitutional challenge, the Article 2 challenge in Pennsylvania, uh, they have a pretty good chance of winning, meeting the Trump administration, which leads to uh, another story that um, I just read this morning, and that is Trump's challenge for Wisconsin. So if you look at the petition for Wisconsin, I'm looking for that right now. I'll pull this up and read it to you guys. Uh, this is all in line with what Dershowitz is just talking about. So what Trump has to do is he's got to trigger the right triggers to get this to the Supreme Court. So if you're wondering why this is kind of all over the place, that's the reason why. It's because what the Trump team is tr attempting to do right now, because they're, what they have to do right now is they've got to show or prove that some votes were not equal to other votes. You know, in our law, under our Constitution, all votes are equal. And if the Trump campaign can prove that this did not happen, uh, then it goes to the Supreme Court things get tossed out. So they have to prevent um, Biden from getting to that 270 threshold. Anyway, I can't find it, but what the gist of it is, the petition in Wisconsin, what the Trump campaign did is they paid $3 million to start the recount in Wisconsin. And the recount in Wisconsin, a full recount costs like $9 million. Uh, a partial recount costs less. So what the Trump campaign did is they petitioned for a recount in Wisconsin and certain counties. So you see where this is going? This is the same thing that Gore did in the 2000 election. They petitioned to recount in certain counties. And that triggered a Supreme Court case. And it went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, no, you can't. You cannot count only certain counties. You've got to count all counties. So if this case goes to the Supreme Court, just talking about the Wisconsin case, if this Wisconsin case goes to the Supreme Court, will it delay it to enough time where that state cannot be certified and those electors don't go to Biden? If those electors don't go to Biden, then the neither candidate gets to the threshold or this helps both. This helps Trump prevent Biden from getting to the threshold of 270. And then it goes to the Congress. And the Congress, the way it works on the Congress, because some may be wondering, wait a minute, I thought the Democrats controlled the House of Congress. They do. But if it goes to a vote in Congress, they only get one vote, and it's one vote per state. And currently, right now, the Republicans have control more states than the Democrats. That's how this played out. It's, 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 it's 
a big masterful chess move on Trump's part. And is it risky? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say it's risky because I don't know what else he has. This may be the only path because if you believe there's election fraud, uh, you've got to prove election fraud. Uh, if you believe there's election fraud and you are the rightful winner, you've got to you've got to play the game to get to that point where you are the right, the winner of this election. And that's where I believe the Trump campaign is. I think that's their long game. So Alan Dershowitz says he's not part of the Trump campaign, but he does offer a lot of opinions. I think he's got his toe in this. So if this goes to the Supreme Court, there's a chance I think Alan Dershowitz would be part of this because he's a constitutional lawyer. He also says that Alan Dershowitz predicts Trump will win the Pennsylvania lawsuit. Uh, Alan, attorney Alan Dershowitz, an outspoken Democrat who defended President Trump during the Senate impeachment trial, predicts that the president will prevail in his Pennsylvania lawsuit as well. So uh, time is not on the president's side. So time is where they have to really maneuver and manage this. And here's here's the um, Wisconsin uh, petition, by the way. Town Hall is the site that I'm pulling up, and the headline is, with Wisconsin having counted all its votes, the Trump campaign makes its next move. Uh, <clears throat> President Donald J. Trump re-election campaign will file a petition today for a recount in two Wisconsin counties, Milwaukee and Dane, citing illegally altered absentee ballots, illegally issued absentee ballots, and illegal advice given by government officials allowing Wisconsin voters' ID laws to be circumvented. These two counties were selected because they are the locations of the worst irregularities. Uh, Donald J. Trump for President, Inc. transferred $3 million to Wisconsin to cover the estimated costs of the recounts. Now, without getting too much into our, um, this story, and I've got it in my show notes, by the way. Uh, Wisconsin uh, is going for Biden right now with a little over 20,000 votes. So these two counties potentially could, could deliver uh, the win of Wisconsin. So that's one of the games, one of them. The other is that uh, Pennsylvania. If you can get Pennsylvania to do the same thing. Now, the Pennsylvania one's the one that I believe is going to go to the Supreme Court. The Wisconsin one, potentially, but uh, I'm pretty confident that Pennsylvania is the one that the uh, Trump administration is looking at that's going to the Supreme Court. And another thing about Wisconsin, too, to go back to that, is Wisconsin had an emergency meeting the other night to try to change the rules. And, and what they wanted to do is they want to change the rules of how the recounts are done. And they lost. So Trump won that. So they got to follow the rules. And that's where this is all going down. You can see the Democrats. You can see them trying to change the rules as they go along. So there's going to be more on this. So um, I'll keep an eye out. Uh, share some stories if you got some stories, stories as well. My email is thepblpodcast at gmail.com. This is a fire hose of information. I know there's more out there that I, I'm not reporting on because there's just so much coming out. So here's the long game for the Trump administration right now is they've got the two, they, they got the petition and the money spent to do a two county recount in Wisconsin. It's done. It's going to happen. It's potential. There is a possibility with those 20,000 votes come back. Trump gets Wisconsin. He's got to get this done before it's this, the state is certified. Uh, he's got to get this done before uh, December 14th, before the, elector, the Electoral College meets the vote for the president. The other game is in um, Pennsylvania. 
Uh, Pennsylvania is they've gone to court with that. It looks like that one will be the one that goes to the Supreme Court because there's been a lot of regulators in Pennsylvania. So there's lawsuits in Pennsylvania. And uh, Michigan is another one where right now you've got those two uh, legislators who refuse to certify it until the regularities are, are sussed out. So that potentially could change things. But Michigan's a bigger uh, challenge because there's close to 150,000 vote, votes for Biden. Then you've got Georgia. We've got a recount going on right now in Georgia. And uh, there are several, three counties so far where they found more votes for Trump. But there's also some lawsuits and petitions and um, statements being filed in Georgia. So there's a lot going on in Georgia legally as well. And as well as in Arizona. In Arizona, the Trump team just filed some campaign for some illegal irregularities there as well. So yeah, this is this is all going to the courts. Haven't heard uh, well, Nevada. I'm sorry, Nevada is the one I meant to say, not Arizona. Nevada is the one where Trump team has filed some lawsuits there. So there's a lot going on, and the time, the clock, as Alan Dershowitz said, is really at issue here because the Electoral College meets December 14th. All right, I want to move on. I want to get to this something I caught with Obama, you know, because Obama is back in the news. Uh, I know, I know. So anyway, this is from a piece from the Daily Wire. Barack Obama's back, and he's more disappointed in America than ever. I mean, was I mean, it's amazing. This guy was president of the United States two terms. Uh, we've made him a multimillionaire. We being the American public, I mean, bought his books and all that. So he's got a third memoir out because he just can't seem to stop talking about himself. And of course, he's got to go ahead and bash America. So this is what. What he says the jury's still out on the possibility of America. Yeah, you know who who is this guy? What where what what's going on here? I'm going to show share something that he says, and then I'm going to tie it into something that Biden said. I, I'm not ready. Yet, I'm not yet ready to abandon the possibility of America. Obama said in a promised land, which hit shelves on Tuesday. He adds that he wrote the book for young people. Keep that in mind, young people, as an invitation to bring about through hard work, determination, and a big dose of imagination, an America that finally. Finally, keyword, finally aligns with all that is, is best in us. Obama also said he was waiting to see if we could actually live up to the meaning of our creed. The jury's still out. Oh, he's waiting. Him and his, you know, his Adam's apple wife, they're just waiting. They're just hoping and praying that America will live up to what it's supposed to be about whatever they think it's supposed to be about. Uh, the passage drew outrage from critics, including Republican South Dakota Governor Christy Noem, who's awesome, by the way. And she said, what a ridiculous message she wrote last week on Twitter. Obama had eight years, including two with full control of Congress. He sent our jobs to China, left our health care system in disarray, our foreign policy in shambles, and our people divided. Instead of blaming Trump, Obama should, should consider what led to 2016. Uh, and Obama makes some uh, other incendiary charges in his book. President Donald Trump, he claims, promised an elixir, uh, elixir for the racial anxiety of millions of Americans spooked by a black man in the White House. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, he claims that Trump said that millions of Americans are spooked by or alleged millions of Americans are spooked by a black man in a White House. That's what he said. He said that Trump's actions have led to millions of Americans being spooked by a black man uh, being in the White House. Of course, the black man being in the White House was elected twice. Uh, of course, uh, at one point in time, up until Sleepy Joe came in with some voter irregularities, uh, had more votes than any other president. But, yeah, uh, Americans are spooked. 
by them. And I, maybe it was just the half black side. Maybe the other, the white half, we weren't so spooked about. But the, the half black one, that was spooky. So just absolutely, it is nonsense. It is absolutely nonsense. Uh, but he goes on. Those Americans who Obama implies are racist were prey to the dark spirits that had long been lurking on the edges of the modern Republican Party. Xenophobia. They like that word, don't they? Anti-intellectualism. Anti-intellectualism. The left's going to tell us about anti-intellectualism. I mean, these are people with PhDs who are frothing at the mouth leftist lunatics. Uh, paranoid conspiracy theories and anti anti antipathy toward black and brown people. We are horrible, aren't we? This is our former president of the United States saying this kind of stuff, by the way. Obama continues, it was as if my very presence in the White House had triggered a deep-seated panic, a sense that the natural order had been dis disrupted, which is exactly what Donald Trump understood when he started peddling assertions that I had not been born in the United States and was thus an illegitimate president. By the way, my opinion on this, my theory on this, call it a conspiracy theory, whatever you want. Obama purposefully put out a fake birth certificate that was by design to do exactly what he's doing right now because if he puts out a fake birth certificate knowing he was born in this country he knows what it's going to do he knows it's going to create these conspiracy theorists popping up and all that and i have no doubt in my mind it was a fake birth certificate because of that you know there were some experts that just peeled it apart but I don't believe he was not born in the United States. Uh, I, I believe they did this on purpose because the left does this a lot. They put out these false flags all the time to show, look, look at those kooky right wingers over there. Look at them. Ha ha ha. We caught you. So anyway, the thing that I caught on this, by the way, and um, Candace Owens, uh, let me conservative fund let me tell you about Candace Owens what she said real quick and then I want to get into what I caught which was a similarity between Obama and Biden conservative pundit Candace Owens also blasted Obama's seemingly racist claim it felt like we finally had arrived at a place in this country where we could put the past in the past she said Thursday on Fox News Barack Obama became the president of the United States because white Americans supported him and rather than show some unity rather than show some respect for this country that gave him literally everything he has he turns his back and says Look at this despicable country. It's broken. She's so right. She's so right on that. Uh, he also slammed Sarah Palin in this. It's like, I mean, he was going after everybody. And uh, Sarah Palin, you know, think what you will on it. She does fight back. Uh, Sarah Palin pushes back on Obama's claim. She fueled GOP's dark spirits. Former Alaska governor and vice president candidate Sarah vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin told Fox News Monday a night that she is neither hurt by nor values opinions expressed by Barack Obama about her or the Republican Party. Go for you. Good for you. Though Palin, through, through Palin, it seemed, this is what uh, Obama said, through Palin, it seemed as if the dark spirits that had long been lurking on the edge of modern Republican Party, xenophobia, anti-intellectual anti and paranoid conspiracy theories, and antipathy toward black and brown folks. He was referring to Palin brought that on through Palin. Uh, just absolutely. We, we're finding their way to the center stage. Obama wrote of the woman who ran on the ticket opposed opposite him in 2018. Wow. Just absolutely amazing. The, the hubris of this guy. Uh, Palin goes on to say, I guess eventually, evidently, he thinks that he is the one to lead us to the promised land. So let's refer to him as Moses. Moses is the master of the politics of personal destruction, which people were so fed up with that a movement began and they elected someone to hopefully get us on a path to get rid of the politics of personal destruction. But Barack Obama, he just doesn't get it. She went on, first of all, personally, Sean, she was on Sean Hannity, in order to let a man's opinion hurt, 
You have to give a little bit of value to that man's opinion. So nope, I'm good there. So good for you, Palin. But check this out. All right, so Barack Obama states that uh, America has not lived up to its ideals. Uh, let's see. I'm not ready yet to abandon the possibility of America, Obama says in A Promised Land, which hit shelves on Tuesday. He adds that he wrote the book for young people. Remember, I said, keep that in mind. An invitation to bring about through hard work, determination, and a big dose of imagination in America that finally aligns with all that is best in us. Now, if you recall, back in October, Biden, uh, Biden says America is an idea that was never lived up to. So the former vice president made the comments on Breen Brown's podcast on Wednesday, whatever date it was, during a discussion about the legacy of slavery and the Black Lives Movement for racial justice. This is what Biden had to say. The American was an idea, an idea. The Democratic presidential nominee said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. We never lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it before. And I think, I just think we have to be more honest. Let our kids know as we raise them, what actually did happen, acknowledge our mistakes so we don't repeat them. He continued to say that it's important to teach students the facts. So I think it's important we teach history, not in a perspective way from my perspective, but what actually the facts were without also acknowledging that there's 400 years of racism in the United States. That's what it is. And it's able to be fixed, he said. Of course, I forget the fact that the United States hasn't existed for 400 years. But that's going to that... Uh, uh, other, I uh, forget that New York Times columnist, uh, I forget what the name of it is, so I apologize, forgive me, but basically saying that this has been a racist nation for 400 years, even before it was America, because it was they brought slaves over. So Biden's peddling that nonsense. I mean, America hasn't even been around 400 years. But notice how Biden says America was an idea that haven't lived up, that's never lived up to, and it's for the children. And Obama is also saying that... Uh, He's disappointed in America that the jury is still out on the possibilities of America. We never lived up to it. And it's for the children. You know, he wants young people. It's for young people, he said. He said it's for young people. That an America that finally aligns with all that is best in us. He said Obama said he was waiting to see if we can actually live up to the meaning of our creed. The jury's still out. And Biden's telling us that we're an idea we never lived up to. And both of them are reference the children. It's about the children. Do you think there's a coordinated uh, message going on here? I do. And that leads me to believe or to think, wait a minute, how deep is Obama into this election and why? Uh, I'm not going to get into that today, but I'm going to, I'm going to look, you know, let's have some more conversation, but I caught that just looking through some stories yesterday. There was some alignment, some similarities to what they're saying about America as an ideal, not living up to itself. And I, I believe that by, uh, Obama's hands are so deep into this election that uh, he may be the puppet master here, and Biden is his third term. Um, the man is obsessed with power, and his wife is obsessed, by the way, with wealth. So, But anyway, I digress. I want to move on. Uh, I didn't want to talk about Obama because I can't stand the sight of the man nor the sound of his voice, but I just caught that, and it was interesting to me. Um, let's talk about another... Uh, his poor politician, Andrew Cuomo. In a matter of a few days, Andrew Cuomo goes on to blame drug companies, uh, President Trump, for speedy COVID-19 recoveries. Uh, he, he lashes out a reporter for asking him if New York City schools are going to be closed. Uh, he 
bashes his own New York Police Department cops for going maskless uh, and refusal to enforce indoor mask uh, mandates. And and get this, he gives himself a $25,000 raise, all in a matter of a couple of weeks. So just amazing. So here's what he, he let's go to the drug companies one. He actually blames American drug companies for being greedy as the reason why the vaccine came so fast. I'm not making that up. Uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo actually blamed President Trump and drug makers Pfizer and Modera for being so fast in coming up with the coronavirus that shows signs that they, that they may be very effective in ending the pandemic. So he's agreeing it shows signs of ending it, but he's basically saying the drug companies are greedy because they're going to make millions, if not billions on this, and Trump's wanting to get it here so fast because of his ego. So he's actually saying, he's, it's hard to wrap your brain around this, but he's actually vilifying the speed in which American drug companies brought this vaccine to market because they just want to cash in and not allow, uh, you know, they want to beat the European or the Chinese or whomever his entity is he's thinking of. And so they can just get rich. It's just, I mean, this is an American governor. And then he blames Trump for bringing the vaccine so fast. At least he's giving him credit for this because Trump's ego. Trump's just got an ego. This guy's a piece of work. And then Governor Cuomo lashes out at reporters at briefing where he dodged New York City school closers. Governor Cuomo uh, quickly unraveled during a press briefing Wednesday, scolding a veteran reporter for what he describes was an obnoxious and offensive tone that was, th that was just the first question. Listen to this. You said this is the city's decision. They have an agreement at three percent. Today you said, well, I might have to impose an orange zone and I might have to close the schools, which an orange zone does. So what's going on? Does the city still have the ability to close its schools? Are you now taking control and saying that you have the power to make this decision? And for the millions of parents who want to know, are the schools going to open tomorrow in New York City? All right. First of all, let's try not to be obnoxious and offensive in your tone because you're 100 percent wrong these laws have all been in effect for months i've always said we set initial parameters and then the school district picked a percent within those parameters new york city picked three percent we announced the orange zone law over a month ago i don't know if you were here or if you were paying attention but that has been in effect for over a month. It always said, if by the state's numbers you hit 3%, the schools close. What's going on here is nothing that the law hasn't said for over a month. We then had the test out procedures. If you were paying attention, you would have known we closed. Well, it looks like I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties on that. What do he, he I mean, notice the condescending tone and behavior. And another reporter, by the way, chimes in and and says, hey, he's got a legitimate question here. And it's not that he's being obnoxious. He's I, I want to know the answer, too. And Cuomo went on to lash against that one. And this is a guy that the left think should be the president of the United States. Remember what they were saying back in the early days of COVID, his leadership, this is who they wish was at the ticket before Biden won the primary. 
This is the guy. That's who they want. I mean, uh, I have the link, by the way, on my show notes, so you can absolutely go finish watching that or listening to that at the show notes. So, hey, I'm traveling and hotel internet connectivity, things happen. Uh, but then another story, Governor Cuomo slams New York Police Department cops for going maskless, refusal to indoor enforce indoor cap. Governor Andrew Cuomo slammed New York law enforcement Wednesday for ignoring the mask wearing mandate and refusing to enforce the 10 person cap on indoor gatherings to help prevent coronavirus. A lot of police officers don't want to wear a mask. Well, how are you then supposed to enforce other people wearing a mask when they see you not wearing a mask, the governor said. Uh, I violate the law, but you can't? No, nobody said you were above the law, Cuomo asked, because there are New York uh, sheriffs that are say, saying that they are not going to enforce this mask mandate, this holiday mask mandate, which is absolutely ridiculous, where you can only have X number of people in your house and you have to wear a mask. So Cuomo's sitting here saying, uh, you know, condescendingly again, because this guy is just that kind of a jerk. I violate the law, but you can't. No, nobody said you were above the law, Cuomo added. Well, guess what? Cuomo, back in September, was caught frequently criticizing, who frequently criticized Americans for not wearing masks. He was spotted in public. Wait for it without a mask, such a freaking hypocrite, and then decides that he'd give himself a $25,000 raise. They had the worst coronavirus numbers. Uh, they have a $63 billion budget deficit. By the way, when I say worst coronavirus numbers, more people died in New York than any other city. In fact, half of the deaths at one point, I, I'm not, I don't have the numbers privy to me right now, were all in New York. New York and New Jersey, I do believe, represent half of all the deaths in the entire country. And this guy has the audacity to give himself a pay raise of $25,000. Uh, now, Cuomo's salary would jump from 225000 to 250000 making him the highest paid governor in the nation. It's unconscionable. New York, this is what you're doing. By the way, New York City's have shut down all their public schools starting today. So he could have just answered the question, but he didn't answer the question because he probably didn't know the answer because he's so up in his bubble. I mean, it's just amazing the hubris of that man. But all in a week, we've got Cuomo blaming drug companies and Trump for speedy recovery, for greed and ego, uh, lashing out at reporters because they ask questions, uh, slamming the, the New York Police Department, the New York uh, uh, police, and giving himself a pay raise. All in one week. All in one week. And uh, speaking of the uh, mask mandate, Pennsylvania is now mandating masks inside your home. Yeah. Are you, are you any of you in Pennsylvania? You going to abide by that? Uh, <clears throat> Democrat Tom Wolf, the governor of Pennsylvania, is now demanding that citizens wear masks inside of their homes as of today in Pennsylvania. This article was written just the other day. So if anybody comes over, uh, you have to wear a mask. What if a friend comes over to hang out? Well, you have to wear a mask. No matter what, you have to wear a mask. Strengthening mask order. Masks are still required indoors. Masks now require anytime you're with people outside of your household, even if you're socially distanced. Applies to all indoor facilities, plus if you have people in your home, not part of your household from the Pennsylvania Department of Health. That's right. The government now is telling you, you have to wear a mask inside your home. So somebody comes over, got to put a mask on. That's right. Doesn't matter who. You got you to gotta put a mask on. Go outside. You got to put a mask on. Even if nobody's around, you got to wear a mask. Absolutely crazy.
This is our government, ladies and gentlemen. This is our government mandating masks to wear in your own home. Now, there are a couple of governors that will have none of this. Christy Nome uh, up in South Dakota absolutely will have none of this. Uh, she tweeted out the other day that uh, – <clears throat> Unfortunately, the spread of COVID-19 is rising in nearly every state, regardless of if they have mask mandates in place. Here in South Dakota, we're focusing on solutions that do good, not on responses that feel good. Bravo, Governor Gnome. Bravo, Governor Gnome. Also, Governors uh, DeSantis in Florida and Governor Abbott in Texas have said they will not be doing another shutdown no matter what. It is not going to happen. So kudos to them because that is what – that is leadership because the mask mandates, you know, they don't work. We're, we're on – we've got masks on now and they're not working. I'll give you an example of my state, state of Georgia. Uh, we, do, we were the first state or the last state to close and the first state to reopen. And we don't have a mask mandate, although – Private businesses have put up signs that if you want to come in, you got to wear a mask, which is perfectly okay. We are the only state, last I checked, that had a decrease in the infection rate. Now, why do you think that is? I mean, what what is this state, the state of Georgia, doing better than the other state? You know what? It's letting people decide. It's educating the population and letting them make the educated decision. It's letting private entities, businesses, dictate their own policies. And if you look at the numbers in Georgia, it's working. That's what these other states don't get. That's what they don't want to do. They want control. They want control. You know, whenever you hear a politician say, believe the scientists, ask, which scientists must I believe? Because I want to know. Because they're, they're cherry-picking which scientists they want to say are the experts here to force you to comply and wear a mask in your house. Have less than 10 people at Thanksgiving. And remember Gavin Newsom going to that dinner party, no mask, more than 15 people. So, you know, the law is for thee, but not for me. My name is Democrat. You are a hypocrite. Last thing here, Berlin, police dispense anti-lockdown protesters with water cannons. Yes, a bunch of people who are tired of wearing masks showed up for a protest. And what did the Berlin police do? They blasted them with water cannons. Coming to America soon thanks for listening to this segment of the pbl podcast politics and brown liquor we'll be back at the pbl studio on friday and woody will be there and keep me on point so sorry for the little bit of discombobulation here again thank you for listening to this episode of the pbl podcast please do visit my show notes i've listed or a link to all the articles plus there's a link there where you can buy some pbl merch you know it's getting cold outside you're gonna want a hoodie you're gonna want a sweater a pullover right i, I you know what you can also get on my my merch website that's right don't tell anybody, but you can get a mask, <laughs> a BBL mask. Again, thanks for listening. <laughs>